This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. We are in season one. This is episode, I believe it's episode uh, 23. This is with Dominic McKenna, longtime friend, uh, Aussie. Aussie, yep. Do- Dominic, how do we say this? Aussie, Aussie, Aussie? Oi, oi, oi. Aussie. Oi. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. It's too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> Sucks me in, man. Every- Sucks me in. It's like the, uh, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my... Friend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roped you straight into that, didn't oh, wow. I? Of course you know that. Can't stop. Can't stop. <laughs> yeah. Won't stop. Um, but <laughs> the- <laughs> so, Dom's a ton of fun. We've known each other for years. Uh, Dom, and this is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Before we get into all this, uh, you know, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is about breaking through barriers in life. It's about choosing yourself, about, um, you know, not accepting the choices other people offer you and creating the life you want. So we're going to talk to Dom today about his own journey, um, some of the uh, successes, some of the failures, some of the things that have taught him the most and uh, have gotten him on track to do some pretty, I mean, he's already doing some pretty great things. We're in Bali today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my second Bali interview. I was with Patrick Joe earlier today. Yeah. And um, we were talking about, uh, you know, his business and his life. And uh, you were meeting with his wife, Joyce, I was, yep. while I was meeting with Patrick. There you go. Tag team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, Dom, uh, when did we meet? How long ago was that? You and I met in uh, 2003. Uh, we went in 2004 in Hawaii when you were launching the tropical flavor of excess energy drinks. Oh, yeah. Yep. And yep. that was uh, was quite a party. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. We went to the – you took me to the UFC. I was 18 years old. You were 18. I was on my uh, spring break. Wow. So you're older now. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> less hair. <laughs> less hair. Don't, don't tell me about less hair. <laughs> but uh, so, so – got nothing on me but no so so we went to a ufc fight it was in hawaii and yep. uh and there was a it was it was a howley versus a hawaiian guy right it was yeah, a white guy yeah. versus a hawaiian guy that's right and we were with rollins wood yep we sure were and uh i think it was maybe sean sukamoto was with us too yes he was he the was, tats guy the tats yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. sean just had a, a horrible motor motorcycle accident but he's recovering he's you nearly said motorboat you need didn't you i yeah. said you used motor to say bike, motorboat motor, motor bike, <laughs> used motorboat. to say motorboat <laughs> <laughs> motorboater <laughs> that's why he did too he's having a good recovery though yeah he's he's, he's very fortunate and i think the prayers seem to be helping yep. so um yeah because the, the funny story about that was it looked like the white guy might win mm-hmm. and at that point rollins said to us yeah you guys should probably get out of here now <laughs> before you get bashed by hawaiians oh, was, and we did we bowed quick yeah, didn't we, we took off yeah, yeah we didn't yeah. stick around we ran we ran <laughs> we ran like the good men we are well, all the dudes around us look like bikies were, oh yeah they were i huge. think they were bikies bikies going to translate from time to time so bikies are uh, like motor um, outlaw motorcyclists yeah one percent yeah yeah, yeah. you're gonna be my translator not eh? you're gonna be my he's gonna be my aussie siri well i i do that when like with patrick today you know when when he was speaking um because english isn't his first language language i know what he's saying but i always know if people understand you yeah. know it's there's diff- a lot of different versions of english around the world yeah, sure. and so sometimes i'll just repeat things or interpret. Yeah. you know what universal is you know what's universal what's universal dickhead <laughs> <laughs> it works in every continent of the world <laughs> anyway sorry guys we'll start no, no, I, like, I like the way i like the way you roll right into that yeah. dickhead 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 <laughs> how do you spell that d-e-e-k dickhead dick dickhead <laughs> not a kiwi love it oh man that's awesome so we met in 2002 you're 18 years old mm-hmm. uh i think you and your brother lucas were there that's right right good memory your parents were there um, my brother Joel was there. I he think. was. Yep. We uh, 
we introduced our was our third flavor, I guess, tropical at the time. That's right. And um, so, so tell me, so we met then, and you were, were you active in, in the Amway business at the time? No. no okay. No, 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 I was there. I was there uh, with my parents who had been very active, very successful. Yeah. And uh, I would just came out for a break after school, worked really hard before I went to do law at university, went to yeah. become a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, you guys call that an attorney in America, and it's actually a reputable, uh, reputable occupation in my country. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of bad uh, lawyer jokes, but and you called a barrister, you called a lawyer, lawyer, yeah, lawyer, lawyer, okay. yeah. lawyer, 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 yeah. Mate, yeah, lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. It actually works well, doesn't it? <laughs> Lawyer's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, did you practice law? I, I went to I went to get admitted. I, I worked as a lawyer, and then okay. right, I was about to get admitted. I I left that. I okay. left it during the GFC okay. and uh, property market collapsed. I left that industry and got into advertising, and that's when I started building the Amway business. Okay. And you and I, when did you start working with us? I started working with you uh, sporadically in 2006. Okay. And then uh, more full in 2009, 2008, 2009. Remember my brother worked for you a little bit first? Lucas, yeah. So, yep. so we would use you guys in market to yep. do training and to help us educate people about excess. That's and, right. Um, you came to the U.S. Yep. For, for different events. I did. You came to uh, where did you come? Which which achievers did you come to? 2009 San Diego. 2000 no 2010 San Diego. 2009 at uh, the Gaylord Palms. Because uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> the best so day for yeah. Gaylord yeah. Palms in uh, Orlando. <laughs> There's also the Gaylord Texan. We've had events at. Is it which really? Is, yeah. That just. You, know, you just want the T-shirt when you hear the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the Gaylord Texan getting yeah. Gaylord palmed. <laughs> palms. <laughs> palms. Double, double, double palm. So, um, <laughs> those were some good times. Those were the uh, those were the those were the party years at Excess. They were. They were. That was a. We had a lot of lot of team players out. So when we were at the Gaylord Palms. Oh no, wait, were you at Gaylord Palms or were you at the? At, no, was um, at Hard Rock. Hard Rock Cafe. My brother came to the, uh, the Gaylord, Gaylord Palms. Palms. Of course he did. He's a Gaylord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to Lucas, I, I hope you. Lucas is listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he sent me a video this morning. He saw the the, uh, the workout uh, you know, Instagram live we did yesterday. Yep. Sent me a video from of him and uh, his wife. Is Aaron? Aaron. Aaron in bed um, saying, oh, look, we're doing Tabatas. <laughs> he really? 20 seconds of fist pumping, 10 seconds of sleeping. <laughs> 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 you want to translate that, Dave? <laughs> a tabata, a tabata. Yeah, yeah. It was in the air. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, this is gonna be fun. This is great. So, so you were in 2009 or 2010. We were in. Was we in the Gala, We were in the. I'm sorry, gosh, I'm getting confused now. We were. We were in Florida, and was it? Holly, no, Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. Hard yeah, Rock Hotel. Hard Rock, Hard Rock. And that's, is that the one where we ended up with a with a player with a with a grand piano in Scott Coon's suite? Yep, that's right. Because they uh, they couldn't figure out how to get us proper cutlery for that's for right. Our <laughs> Thankfully, I'd just gotten sober a year before that, so I was there to observe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? And what? Um, if you don't mind me asking, you know, it, we can jump in and out of different stories you want to tell. But um, what was it that brought you from? Uh, into sobriety. Yeah, right. Good question. Straight in the deep end. So I think, so I went from, uh, well, your influence on me in 2004, obviously ruined my life. <laughs> so, you so, were 18. <laughs> so I started, I started partying when I was younger. So 14, 15, started getting into some of the substances and that type of stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, you hang out with the kids at school who were into partying and I was a big skateboarder, yep. big skateboarder. So I was right into, I uh, got into the, the marriage of Yeah. 
and uh, it's a gateway drug. And so what ended up happening was started partying through my teen years and then started drinking towards the end of my, uh, like, 18, 19, yeah. and then sort of doubled and tripled down. And by the time I was 21 and a half, I'd done enough damage in... You could take me through all the drug departments. You could take me through every alcohol department, and it was just, yeah, I'd smash it to pieces. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, done so much damage that I got sober at 22, which was 10 years ago last Monday. Ten years ago last Monday. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. That's Thank a you. pretty big accomplishment. It is. That's a big one. Thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Double fist. You going to stick with it? I hope so. <laughs> one day at a time, Dave. <laughs> one day, one day at a time. time. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> one, day at a time. one day at a time. And so that was a big that was a big recovery journey there and a lot of work. And you know, I met my wife, actually, in AA, which is not recommended, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tinder wasn't working, so I went day. Just joking. <laughs> you got Tinder in America? Uh, they say we have it. Uh, they have, uh, apparently, we have Tinder and Grinder. Grinder, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. So it's not recommended. We met there, and uh, and then we got married a couple of years later. And yeah, she's eight eight years sober in January. Oh, good for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you guys have both. Uh, I think it's you know I, we have a lot of friends that that have been involved with um, with AA, and it's been obviously a huge mm-hmm. life. You know, it helps them stay sober and. Uh, I just I, we did a podcast earlier with Steve Marty, who's been he's been a part of AA and he's part of a Christian program that he's mm-hmm. more you know yep. fits his lifestyle better. But uh, we did a really great podcast with him, got some great results. What um, so as you're going through your journey and you're you're kind of you're at this point where you're trying to make choices about what you want to do. You grew up around our business, our collective business. Mm-hmm. Your parents are very successful. Uh, you'd seen Excess launch. Um, you decided to be a, an, a, an attorney, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the? Why did you want to become an attorney and, and not just build the business when you're 18? Great question. Well, I think uh, so. You talk about making the right choices. I think I got swept up in the whole. You got to go to college. If you don't go to university, we call it university. If you don't, yeah. don't go to university, you know you're gonna probably end up with some dead end job. You know the whole thing. You go to school, get an education, get a good job. If you don't, you're probably gonna end up as a pleb. You yeah. know what the word pleb means? Uh, plebeian. Plebeian, <laughs> plebs like but in Australia the word pleb means like you're gonna end up as like a dropkick. A dropkick. Drop there you go. Dropkick. Is that? Is that? I, a, I like I like using slang to define slang. Dude. So, <laughs> that's like punting, right? Yeah. Dropkick. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kind that's of right. Useless. Useless. Uh, okay. Totally. So that was uh. So I go to uni because all my mates were going to uni. So I jumped into that. Uh, plus, I used to watch a show in the late nineties called Boston Legal. Do you remember Boston Legal? I vaguely remember it. I don't think I watched the show. Yeah, watched it. I knew there was something about you. <laughs> anyway, so there's so William Shatner played a guy called Danny Crane, and I thought I got to watch this show. I got I got to be this guy. So I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, it's like going to med school and thinking of me in Grey's Anatomy. So yeah. what ended up happening was I ended up uh, going to university, did three years of that. I like to talk, like to communicate and all that. So I thought I'd become a lawyer. Did that for uh, one year. And actually, it was interesting. It's actually quite a fascinating story. Yeah. I think... Uh, I'm fascinated. Oh, good. I hope so. <laughs> so uh, I actually did law for one year. I worked about 80 hours a week pretty consistently. I was doing a little bit of excess stuff then as well. But uh, at the end of that first year, I thought I was going to get made like a... What would you call it? Just like get, a get a, yeah, you know, not quite that level. That's like ten years down the track, but get, at least get some sort of promotion. You do eighty hours a week. I mean, that's a lot. And so, anyway, what happened at the end of that year is a global financial crisis happened. I oh, actually wow. got let go, and uh, it was one of, at the time. It was like you know when you go through a breakup. And you think you're never going to recover? I can't believe this happened to me. That sort of thing, right? And it's just heartbreaking. And then, uh, in hindsight, 
it was like, I can't believe I was ever with that person. You know that feeling? Yep. Well, you probably don't. You, you, know, it's been, I've, you know, I've, I've had some pretty good relationships down, but, but I, get, I get the idea. <laughs> you get the idea. You probably haven't dated since the 60s. That's all right, though. <laughs> wow. You like that? And so anyway, the... Uh, what I dated one woman, Dom. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, what happened was with the legal thing, I get let go. Worst thing that ever happened. In hindsight, it set me on the trajectory of like, holy smokes like if I just work in if I work in a job I've got no control long term and that opened up the whole whole idea of like I want to get into a business for myself which I ended up getting into advertising starting a business around that and slowly scaling that up working with excess within that as well and then starting to build an Amway business on the side because I wanted to build a a debt free cash flow asset that would allow me to scale and then eventually be a full time parent which has been one of my big things. And so you actually, you and Karina have made a baby at this point. We did. We we had sex a few times and that resulted in a child. It was great. It was great. You figured it out. That's good. Yeah, we did. Sarah and I still haven't figured out what the child's, we think it's tequila. But the, but, uh, so, so you, so you, so you started building a business in 2009? 2000, no. So 2009, about 2000 and, uh. 11, really, was when okay. we started building the business. Before that, I poked around it and whatever. So I got let go at the end of 2009, started 10. And yeah. then I started, it took about six, seven months to get the advertising thing starting to move a bit. It didn't make really any money for about eight months, okay. um, which is a little bit stressful. But uh, And then, you know, you don't make any money, you know that feeling? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, not really, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Anyway. So, <laughs> Sorry, I've got John Paul Getty sitting next to me here, don't worry. Where were you living at the time? <laughs> I was living on the Gold Coast in Australia. Okay. So up yeah. by Brisbane? Up by Brisbane, Vegas, yeah. Brisbane, Vegas. Brisbane, Vegas, mate. Mate, Brisbane, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and so at the time, uh, I'd switched and then and then I was making a little bit of money out of the advertising thing. And that's when I decided, hey, I'm going to start building the business and then got into the grind of actually building the business, a business. It doesn't matter if it's Amway or any business you build, the entrepreneur start usually sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then I started getting in the grind of that. And then, yeah, the business is, uh, it's it's been quite an incredible journey of going through a grind over a handful of years. So the grind part of it, I think, is really interesting. When you start, it's a new, it's a new scary kind of endeavor, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that you're not used to. Um, maybe you're not that excited about the hard work. Maybe you're excited about the opportunity, but you, you know, the, you haven't figured out the work yet. That's right. right. So you have to do a lot of it to figure out your rhythm, the way that the grind turns into a process and a program. Yep. Um, Tell me about that a little bit. When you started, uh, obviously it was hard. Uh, you were going through a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to a point now where um, we where where kind of have fallen in love with the work? Yep. Hundred percent. I think there's. I heard a guy put it this way. There's sort of four phases that every business owner goes through. Right. It doesn't matter if it's any endeavor. Right. You sort of go through this uninformed optimism. Right. You know. You think, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like, look at the outcome of the people who've been doing it 15 years down the line. You're reading spreadsheets. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uninformed optimism. You know, it's like going to going to med school. It's going to be Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Or you become a nurse and you think it's going to be like uh, what's that show called with the nurses? Uh, scrubs. Scrubs. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's funny one uninformed optimism so I go through that phase and then I actually start doing the stuff that I need to do I realize that the 10-year journey is actually going to take it's not going to take two right and I start to slip into what's called informed informed pessimism right. holy smokes this is actually going to be some freaking work right and then through doing heaps of work and not getting results which you shouldn't initially it's called the beginning that's why it's called work yes <laughs> the beginning is not where you get a lot of work right. uh, we're getting a lot of results and so I get into this valley of despair where you're like holy smokes this is ever going to work where a lot of people quit right a lot of people quit and decide this isn't for me I'm not passionate about it have all these little mantras you know I could be doing something else maybe I'll make some money out of bitcoin well, well it's, it's almost like it's, I mean t- in 
to your point about about relationships, it's almost like the person who can only be in you know Tinder like relationships where mm-hmm. they like that. You know, they're not going to live with somebody and pay bills and raise children. Mm-hmm. They just want that initial one last in. Yeah, that bang, that that yep. emotional high, mm-hmm. and then they want to ditch it and try and get that emotional high the next time. The That's problem right. is. Every time you do that, it depletes the emotional high every time. Totally, right? totally. Um, and I think that's the same for business startups. I think that's the same for, um, you know, for 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 any relationship. If you're not going to invest and you're not going to put the effort in, mm-hmm. then you're not going to get anything out. Totally. You're just going to get a, a quick thrill. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And so, so you've gotten to a point now where you're. Um, tell me about your work habits and and or, or maybe just take us through that journey a little bit. Mm-hmm. How did you get from? Probably a little freaked out, a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, you're, you've got a pretty out there personality, so I, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you didn't struggle too much with talking to new people or contacting people, mm-hmm. but maybe contacting at a level that you needed to be at. Yep. Can you walk us through kind of where you started and what you were doing versus what you had to get to to be successful with your business? Yeah, I love it. So it's really, it's really good. You know, that last phase I'll wrap that up for you is the informed optimism. Right. When you go through Sorry, the valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the last four is, but I just want to close so, the loop on so, it. So, 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 so tell me the three again. So you go through uninformed optimism. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'll do it. Do the five-year journey in one. Second one is informed pessimism. I'm now informed, so I'm pessimistic. Holy smokes, it's going to take work. <laughs> then I start doing work, and I start to not get results, and I nearly quit, which we all go through. Right. Any entrepreneur journey, we nearly almost quit weekly. Is this going to be worth it? Can I get the funding? Whatever it is. And then you then you stay through that. You build your character through the valley, right. which I'll come back to about the struggle. And then the last bit is you're in informed optimism. Right. You're actually like, I know I can freaking do this because I built the character, which is now linked to my identity that I can win. And so the, the bit that I was uh, you were asking me about is what I struggle with early on, I can talk to people, that's fine. But self-esteem and self-image, right. you know, which is really how you view yourself. And so, I mean, I, I, I just decided at one point that I was going to do this regardless because I've always believed that character, because it's a character-based business, right? right? You don't last being a schmuck. You're you, building relationships. It's all relationships. Right. So it's all character-based. You've got I mean, to have I've good been character. able to stick around for a little while, but you yeah, have. I'm I fooling everybody. You'll be vetted. <laughs> no, 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 no. So you know, you're a good man. Let me get started on you. <laughs> and so that, uh, that journey at the start of just overcoming, can I do this? It's all self-confidence. All self-confidence. Can I do this? Negative self-talk. It's so underrated how people talk to themselves. It's a really good book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Oh, wow. And it talks about literally what to say when you talk to yourself. Funny that. And so that journey of self-confidence. Silently, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, that journey of, uh, of, of rewiring the brain, rewiring the self-doubt. Because remember, I'd come from alcoholism, drug addiction, all the stuff. And, I, and to, be, to be fair, I didn't have a girlfriend for 10 years. I didn't have time to be a girlfriend. I was getting high. Yeah. I don't have time to go out and chase. Like, I'm, there's two types of people in the world, two types of guys. One's that go out and chase chicks all night, and one's that go out and just party. And I just party every time. Well, <laughs> such a I joke. might be both those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mix your both, but I was the extreme to the right. No, you know? no. Well, no, if, if you've got a serious addiction, like, yep. like you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't have time for other things. It's a very... That's right. It takes a lot of... It's it's a very self-interested habit, right? Absolutely. Self, very self-centered is, yeah. is, is a better way to put it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're being polite. And so that uh, going through... Going from that extreme to then recreating your identity, which is what I had to do because I was the party. You, you're right. I get the outgoing personality, but now I don't have drugs and alcohol. Right. So I'm the outgoing personality who's not really sure of himself when he's not loaded. Right. And so now I've got to rebuild this identity, rebuild this self-confidence and self-image and try and connect with people when I don't even really connect with myself. Right. That's the hard stuff. And right. so I went through about two to three years of really finding out who I was 
but not stopping doing the work during that period. Because sure. most people that I've met that do the, I'm just going to go and find myself in India. You know, people do that. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go on a journey. That's fine to do that, but I just decided to stick in the grind of it. And through that, I literally unlocked who I was. And now I believe I have an unshakable and unbreakable self-image and self-confidence because I know who I am right. because of my identity now matches my self-image and my confidence and drives it. And so that was really the journey in this for me. Other people, they overcome other things. You yeah. know, some people have a financial issue. Some people have whatever relationships. Yeah. No, no, I think to your point, you know, it's the reason I think people go to, for example, India is because they're trying to see the world through a new lens mm-hmm. so they can actually see themselves, mm-hmm. right? The reason, one of the reasons it's, for my, I've done this, my Skylar just did this, my older son in, in Spain. One of the reasons it's great to teach English to somebody who doesn't speak English mm-hmm. is because you actually learn the English language. Totally. It forces you to break it down and understand it so that you can build it up for somebody else. And yep. I think to your point, whether you do it domestically or you do it internationally, totally. it, the whole point is you've, we all inherit who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we were born in a place, we have parents, they all, your parents are great, they did the mm-hmm. best they could, yep. we each screw it up. And ultimately, you know, hopefully we we move the furniture out of the room that we inherited and then we figure out what, what fits back in the life we want to live if we're yep. building an intentional life. That's right. And I think where you see, to your point, where you see people who don't do that Mm-hmm. And they're just repeating things they've heard or regurgitating, you know, something that their parents told them or their grandparents told them. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that they can regurgitate things like a parrot, but I don't really understand how it's their idea, how they've, right. how they've internalized it, unless they've actually, you know, moved it all out to move it back in. And yep. I think to your point, you, you, had, you know, one of the great things about AA, the 12-step program, is um, it's all about kind of reformatting yourself right mm-hmm. it's about starting at recognizing that you've got a problem yep and then moving through these different stages of recognizing how you solve that problem how That's you right. solve it with friends how you solve it with a higher power i mean yep. you can explain it better than i can yep. but was has that been a big part of how you've rebuilt yourself totally 100 percent. that was a core that was a core way that i rebuilt myself doing 12 steps absolutely i was at a, a conference in um i was listening to a guy called rob bell who i know you know very well who yeah, i yeah. know because of you but i listened to him in melbourne uh, and in which is in australia and he did a talk and he summed up aa and i love this he said that uh he went to an aa meeting in laguna beach i think it was yeah. just to get a bit of a vibe for what it was about and uh he said he went in sat listened learned and he said and i realized this is a place that people come to and the bullshit stops you just can't talk bullshit anymore. People will call you on it. So it's a total program of honesty. Right. So in rebuilding myself from the 12, and it was very accurate the way that he put it. It was very, yeah. very cluey. And so the uh, cluey's like, that's an Aussie word. <laughs> yeah, clued, in. clued in. Clued in, that's it. And so anyway, the 12-step program allowed me to rebuild my life and to actually recreate all of that. And then what this business gave me was a way to apply everything because I've actually met people in those sort of programs who live in the program they don't use the program to live right and so what allowed me to do was apply everything I was learning and then build myself so, so you rebuilt yourself and you had a vehicle to do something yes with, right? so you had a, a way to take you and, and do yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that and to, and to say that some people find that in a job some people find that in a relationship a way to apply themselves so sure. business isn't the only way there's no right or wrong answer exactly, exactly. but if they, people don't work with us they're, they're not they're missing it that's it that's no, it that's totally okay. it no. But so, no, no, I think that's right. I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to find fulfillment in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and part of what I've been talking about on this podcast a lot is that I did it one specific way. Mm-hmm. You know, I built a, a, a business with Amway and then we built Excess. And yep. uh, this, the Excess part isn't very duplicatable. There aren't a lot of other people that can do that. That's right. But I think, um, but there's a lot of lessons I learned along the way, kind of like what you're talking about, where it's, 
it's going down that path of 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 self exploration, discovery, and and I, I think service to others, where you ultimately find reward. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I'm in Bali during the Thanksgiving holiday isn't because I don't get along with my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah and I were just in New York, but for me, the relationships that we've built in this business over the years are mm-hmm. foundational. 100%. And I hadn't been in with the Australian business leaders in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we made a priority to be here because I think that's really important. But um, tell me about some of the relationships in your business and the way that you've gone from where you started to where you are today, mm-hmm. the quality of relationships, the types of people you're working with, yep. as, particularly as your self-image has probably changed over the years. Yep. Love that. It's a great question. So that first phase, finding out who you are, unlocking your identity, unlocking your potential. Um, through You said before about habits, through being consistent with specific habits and staying staying tight on that. I think that's really key. Well, do, you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, what are the what are some of your daily habits? Like, what are your daily, weekly, monthly? Mm-hmm. What, how, what do you how do you how do you structure that? What do you do? Love it. It's a great question. Um, so, I think the something I, something I'm really big on now with habits wise is because I, I read a book which I which I recommend to everyone by a guy called Jocko Willink. It's called Willink, I think it is. It's called Discipline Equals Freedom. And so, I'm a big believer in like everything comes from discipline, right? If, if you're disciplined in a specific area. So, in the morning, get up. Uh, I'll just take you through a day sort of thing. Get up. I mean, I'm not someone, I've met, read a lot of successful people who say, I go to bed early, I get up, I go to bed late, no, get, I go to bed early and get up early. I'm like, I don't do that. I have no desire to ever do that in the history of life, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm just not someone, I go to bed at like 1am. Yeah. And so I, when I get up, bang, first thing I do, one liter of water, just smash it, freezing cold shower, ice cold shower. I've been on that for a while now because it just does something, resets your central nervous system, there's a whole bunch of science behind it. Uh, do the bulletproof coffee, you know, the bulletproofs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm a big believer in that. I love those, yeah. yeah. And every single day uh, now, I mean, some days, you know, today I didn't have a day off. Every every so often I have a day off, but I exercise every day. Um, I used to do that five days a week. Now I've ramped it up to seven. Man, it just... It just total mental clarity doing that I've been doing CrossFit for nine years now another cult I'm involved in and so I've been doing that for <laughs> another, doing that. Yeah. Another, another cult yeah. you're involved yeah, in yeah yeah, yeah of yeah. course yeah CrossFit cult and so I've been doing that for over nine years now and then uh, reading I mean reading I'm, I'm reading every day 30 to thirty minutes to an hour every single day um, and then podcasts you know business for me business podcasts I know other guys listen to different things yeah. things like this because yeah. I, I heard a, I heard a really sharp guy say once that the, the solution to pollution is dilution and so I'm constantly listening to positive stuff. <laughs> so, so you're diluting the pollution in your brain with positive. Yeah, well, I just I don't listen to news. I don't now. I like to be informed and so on of things I'm interested in, but I don't. I just don't. I just don't listen to negative shit. That's the best well, way to put it. No, I think that's fair. I, I, I talk a lot about the fact by turning off turning off the 24 hour news cycle. I, yeah. I blame, you know, the 24 hour news cycle really isn't doing anybody a big favor in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's uh, it, it creates reality TV stars as presidents. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, that's but, but it, no, but I mean, it, it basically, people are trying to fill a 24-hour cycle with things you can't fill. So mm-hmm. they keep re- regurgitating, hyping up, creating problems, creating all kinds of uh, emotional yep. uh, discord that's, I think, kind of unnecessary. And I find that it's kind of like Sarah said with, um, and you know, I, don't, I don't really know anything about the Kardashians, but, you know, it's about, kind of about these reality TV stars. She just said, you know, I just choose not to invest in that yeah. because it's not valuable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, for example, if somebody wants to be informed, they can read The Economist. 
That's right. That's a great read. Yep. Um, you only have to read it once a month. Mm-hmm. But, but most people won't read The Economist because they really want to be entertained. Yep. They want their, this emotional high. That's why they're watching this. There isn't some information they're trying to get typically. Yep. There's nothing you can even do with it, right? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to replace the president? You're going to change? You know? <laughs> that's right. So. Well, it's interesting. There's, there's one news site I, I normally read now. If I need to go to specific ones, I will. But if I want to know what's going on, even during the American election. Yep. Now, this is 2016. I'm from Australia. But it's interesting. Yep. Like, it's interesting. It's yep. not it's not sure. informative or whatever. But I'm like, that would be interesting if that happened. And it was quite interesting. And anyway, what, what I what I went and uh, read was from, and it's the only news site I really got, it's called Al Jazeera. Uh, yeah, yeah. you know what? I've, I've, I've recommended that as well. Yep. Be- yep. Especially for um, Western politics. 100%. Not as good on Israel. Yeah, but the- <laughs> yeah. not so much. <laughs> I like. She will never get it. <laughs> she gets it. Yeah. But the, uh, but the <laughs> Borat, who can't get enough? Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, no, but I've I, I found, to, to your, I think we're saying the same thing, that Al Jazeera actually is one of the most objective news totally sources, objective. particularly for Western news services. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's great. That's a very, very good, good catch. So you, it's, just you, sent, it's just sent to my sister-in-law, Erin, put me onto it. She said, if you want to read stuff and not get the American hype, yeah. which is, you know, you go to certain news sites, CNN, it's this way, and Fox is that way. And it's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's just it's just too hard. And so for an Australian who's just, tr- it's just trying to be normal, mate, <laughs> I just go and read right down the center, and you actually get a pretty balanced view on it. It's actually the news versus... Uh, what is it, what would you call it? A lens of the news. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we, I've talked about that, and, and I think in the U.S. we have NPR, yep. which has done a really good job with their news reporting of just giving you the news and not mm-hmm. giving you their opinion. And I think Al Jazeera is the second one that's outstanding. You don't watch Hannity? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> not so much. That's right. Yeah. That's not news. That's a joke. Oh no, no, I don't. So, so tell me about so so your process is obviously your your. You're getting your body, your brain mm-hmm. kind of going in the morning, getting yep. those endorphins moving so that you can be high functioning. Yep. I'm assuming that you have higher energy when you're doing these yeah, things, yeah. taking yep. the cold shower, yep. drinking the bulletproof coffee, not being hungry, mm-hmm. but getting a little caffeine in your system, probably drinking a couple excess. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to turn this podcast off. Yeah, yeah, this is it. <laughs> well, that's how I start my morning. I didn't say how the rest of my day goes, did I? I actually go and do CrossFit, and then I'm smashing excess into the, all the protein powders and all that stuff. But you're right, you, you wrote me in, didn't you? But it's, but it's interesting, because uh, I work from home, right? My, my wife's at home. She's now full-time uh, full-time mom working the business together and so I get to hang out with my kid every morning I get two hours every morning with my daughter go to the gym wife goes to the gym come back then I start my day in the afternoon and I, I ride my day from uh, 1.30 is when my day starts my mm. proper like meetings and all that and that rides through sometimes to 10 o'clock at night in different variations and forms so. and, and tell me about that so you you know we were talking about the relationships that you've built on this journey mm-hmm. and um Kind of particularly where you are today versus where you start. So you started at a point where you're rebuilding your your whole, you know, mm-hmm. idea of, of of who you are. Yep. And now you're at a point where um, you're fairly confident in who you are. You know what Very. you want in a life. Yep. You're you're focused. You're on it. Mm-hmm. How has our business is built on relationships? Mm-hmm. It's about meeting people. It's about figuring out what they want to get out of life that they can't get someplace else, yep. and help helping them find it here. Um, how have how has your journey not only changed you but changed the the types of people that you work with? Yep, and it's great. We didn't we didn't get into that before, but now I believe that now I've built myself my uh, self confidence, my identity, everything's caught up. Right, I heard a guy put it the other way. It's like our self image is like a it's 
how do you say it's like a temperature and identity is like the thermostat mm. right and, and and we'll never exceed what we believe we are like our, mm. where our identities we'll are. literally sabotage ourselves if we get above it right literally literally and so if you think about right now we're sitting around the aircon's going on the wall the thermostat says 22 degrees i heard this on a great podcast and he said your identity's here and then because you watch people do this in business right they start to start to succeed and the, and the, and the temperature goes up and then because the thermostat set their identity, they literally sabotage themselves and bring themselves back. They start to make more money. They start to make dumb decisions. They start to unwind meetings and all that type of stuff. And so I've worked really hard on getting the thermostat up by getting around people like yourself, people that are doing really well in life to challenge me all the time. And as a result, answering your question there, uh, what's happening? The temperature of my life's getting better. I'm attracting higher temperature people into my life. Right. I'm attracting who I am, right? And now I've got the quality of people we work with. I would say if I looked at our business now, seven years later, the quality of the people we have coming through and working with and I have established mentoring relationships with these. I mean, I mentor a guy who is just, this guy's an absolute blessing in my life. People like this come along. He's 54, I'm 32. He, he paid- I'm only 49. That's old. <laughs> that's, uh, that's old, bro. <laughs> you probably grew up with like James Brown, <laughs> Ray Charles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah He's no. going to beat me up after this podcast, by the way. <laughs> Where did Dom go? He died in Bali. <laughs> he was drowned by Van Der Veen. And so, and this guy pays more. This guy pays more in tax than I make in money. Yeah. And so, I'm coaching guys like that because. I built myself. I attract people like that into my life now. We're, now we're in business together, building this as well. But and I, you're coaching him because you've done more in our business than he's done in, in this, this arena. Business. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So expertise in this arena. He, if you look at the cash flow quadrants, ESBI, he's done so well in the E quadrant. Explain that. Impl- uh, so if you think about Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, employee top left. So it's, this is there's four quadrants. Four quadrants. Right? Yep. yep. So top left, we've got what we call active income on the left, employment. Underneath it, self-employment, which is very similar. You know, right. if someone has a coffee shop. So you, sw- yeah, you switch from working for somebody else to working, working for yourself. yourself. Yep. But it's still a job. you got to be there job. every day. you got to yep. show up. If not yep. more. Right. Most of the time, more. You're going to be there six, more, seven right. days a week, right? You have a cafe. What was the guy's name in, uh, in uh, Laguna that had the cafe, the crazy French guy? Oh, uh, Jean-Paul. So he was there all the time, right? Oh, Serving every, coffee. Every day. Every, every day. day. Serving coffees. He's self-employed. He makes more money now because he's got more margin. Now, it's interesting because every business starts in the S, but whether or not it can get into the B is whether it can scale. Right, and so what? Um, what so it goes I, employment, self-employment, and then, then business. B, B quadrant business ownership, big business, right? Your business is like IBM, Dell, these things that have five hundred employees or more, type of thing. You can go on vacations. Yep, you can go and the business doesn't collapse. Right. And then I quadrant investor quadrant. So you you've got cash flow now, you can invest it into whatever that is, shares, stocks, property. Uh, and so this guy does really well in the E quadrant. He's an expert in that. Like you know, we're talking CEO type level. Right. And then I started in the S quadrant figured out who I was, struggle, 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 have started to scale towards, I wouldn't say I'm in it yet, towards the B quadrant. Tony and Francis, who did an interview with you, they're in the B quadrant. They have a B quadrant functioning business, highly, highly successful. That's the sort of business I'm chasing, right? And so they've scaled into the B. And so I've got more expertise in this side. He's got more expertise in that side. And that's why I'm coaching him on doing that. I think it helps a lot when you break it down that way because then it's money can be confusing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's different ways to make decent amounts of money. That's right. But it's 
it's how you're making it and it, whether or not it has control of your life, whether or not you can go on vacation for two months and yep. it doesn't affect your income. I mean, those are the big, some of the big questions. That's right. Well, if I even think about that from my parents' perspective, they started building an Amway business in 1980. And they, air traffic controller, teacher, built it on the side, heard about a guy in the States who stayed with a successful guy. Crazy story how it came about. But the work that they did from about 1980 uh, to 1987, they were financially independent in 87. From 87 through to 97, they built a B quadrant business, mm. which hasn't, they haven't had to do any, what would you say, grunt work, to use that word? Right. They haven't had to go personally sponsor or bring new people in. They haven't had to hustle. Right. They haven't, they now, they've, they've, they're working with their team members. They're mentor. Supporting them, yeah. Mentor and coach. They haven't had to hustle since about 97. From right. what I gauge, seeing them growing up, uh, that's B, 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 B quadrant. We're talking... They could. My parents. My mum was in uh, in France this year for two months. Uh, just uh, yeah, on two months, and she's going to go live there eventually. I know. Yeah. Uh, she might take dad. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if he's like. I don't want to. He goes. I go. Why aren't you in France with mum? He goes. I don't want to walk that far every day. <laughs> you know, my dad's so funny, isn't he? So, he's so funny. So anyway, they could go live in France. Probably, I reckon they'll do it half half the year. Yeah. It won't affect their business. B B B quadrant. We're getting big, uh, and so that's the context of where that comes from. Yeah, sure. and that's. I think you know, Jim Jim Collins talks about that, and um, when he's talking about getting a flywheel going in a business, <laughs> where you know. To get it started takes a tremendous amount of effort, right? Yep. Starting friction is always, always, always more than, than um, the friction of when, when you've got something going. Mm-hmm. Um, starting friction versus was it maintenance friction? I can't remember what mm-hmm. the second friction is. I'm not an engineer, but mm-hmm. the uh, once you get a flywheel moving, mm-hmm. you don't have to constantly put the same level of effort in. That's right. And the great thing about I think how how you're describing this, it helps people understand that once you're building something, once you've got it going, once you have a team that's leading mm-hmm. with or without you, yep. it doesn't require your maintenance on a regular basis. Totally. And then the, then the hard part that people ask you, which is what Collins talks about in Good to Great, is that they said, well, which which spin was it? Which push, which moment was it that caused the breakthrough? Yeah. And it's you can't really define it. It's actually it's actually an accumulation, a compounding all of, of all the... Yeah. Like if you think about, if I can just switch gears quickly and come back, yeah. like you building your business with Scott Kuhn and the guys around the world, yeah. it's like, well, what, what, what was the meeting you did? What market was it? Well, it wasn't. It was all the meetings I did. It was all the 15-hour days I did for freaking 10 years right. that led to this massive conglomerate globally. But it wasn't the it wasn't you can't pinpoint it. No, you can't. And, and the funny thing is, I'm, I've, I talk about this a lot. I'm at a point now where it really doesn't affect my personal income or wealth whether I do this meeting in Bali or whether I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's not a strong financial motivator for me to be here. Mm-hmm. And which sometimes Sarah will say, you know, my wife will be like, "Why are you doing this?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because I have to, but it's because I want to. Mm-hmm. It's because you know, um, it's John Parker, a guy I worked with in Amway for a while. He says we get to. Yep. You don't have to. You get to. That's right. And um, I, I think for for me, it gets to a point where one of the things I believe in more than anything is that when people, you know, the reason we're doing this podcast, the reason I started it was because people were saying, well, how'd you create excess? How'd you create excess? And I literally tens of thousands of times everywhere we go. And I'd say, well, what are you asking? How I built an energy drink company with, with my partners? Are you asking me how I created this life that, that I'm really happy with? Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I was trading some messages with a friend of mine who I went to college with who's going through some tough times and and uh, he said something to me like he said he was a little worried about me because I looked like I was pretty far out there and I said um, I said uh, you should be worried. I'm I'm way fucking out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. You but, are. But my point was to him, I said, look, yeah, I mean, 
I try and scare myself a little bit every day. I try and, you know, I, when I, yesterday I went surfing out past, you know, out of, there were some pretty good sized waves outside the reef here in Nusadua. I had never surfed there before. I had this boat take me out just going solo. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, can you guys come back in an hour or two? They're like, no, the tide's going to be too low. You're going to have to, you know, figure out your own way in. And so I'm out there bouncing around in this big storm surf. I was a little bit, uh, I knew that it, I was going to have to figure it out. Um, I also knew I wasn't going to die, but I was. I knew it was going to be a little bit of work. Yeah. It's a new reef, new, new critters, and, and it's a long way from the outer reef to yeah, yeah. you know, it's like about, about a kilometer. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a anyways, long, that's a long way, by the way. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's that's like a half freaking a mile. that's a freaking long way to, to paddle. <laughs> so, anyways, the, my point being, you know, it's low tide, the reef's getting dry. You're outside in these big stormy surf that's really kind of all over the place, trying to figure out how to get, get across a reef you don't know, and and. What I was saying to him was, yeah, I, I constantly do this to myself. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for personal progression mm-hmm. that you scare yourself, that you try something that you're like, when, when I feel myself saying, I don't know if I should do that, that's typically when I'm going to go do it. Not because mm-hmm. I even want to do it, but because I realize if I don't do it, it'll be one more time that I've said no and not done something that would have pushed me to become a, a bigger person. Totally. Um, that's right. So as and, and, and so I, I think we were talking. Forget how we got to that, but um, as you're talking about kind of well, well, so we were talking about you know why why we created this podcast is about helping people break through and create barriers in their own life, or how to break through barriers in their life. Mm-hmm. I think the only way you you break through barriers is by consistently breaking through barriers. Totally. Every time somebody says no, or your internal clock says no, your internal temperature gauge says you know maybe you're not quite that hot. You have to go. No, I am. I'm gonna go figure this out. Yep. Um, and I still do that all the time. And, and so when this friend of mine said, I'm a little worried about you, I was like, are you kidding? Uh, I'm a lunatic. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not, there's nothing normal here. But that's uh, the reason that I'm here is because I, I've said this a lot. I've said, you know, I don't need the money anymore. Mm-hmm. It's fun to have a job when you don't need money, mm-hmm. when somebody can't fire you. Well, they can't fire me, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a lot of things, you mm-hmm. know, inside this business and outside. I'm heavily into the I quadrant now. Yep. I'm an advisor on a new fund with um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Green Bay Packers quarterback, yep. Byron Roth, Nate Robbie, um, and, and doing other in- investment work because, you know, at the end of the day, equity, owning something, ownership is where you get value. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but at the same time, this work, I think, is really foundational and helping people. I think one of the most profoundly rewarding things you can do in life is help people realize their dreams and goals, mm-hmm. particularly people that don't think they can do it. Yep. Um, most of us need help, mm-hmm. right? It's like AA. Most of us need help formatting ourselves, reformatting ourselves into the person that we want to be rather than the person that we are. Yep. We need a team. We need a coach, a mentor. We need, we need, we need a process. Yep. And if we don't get that, I mean, maybe one in 10, I think it's much lower than that. Maybe one in a thousand yep. can do it on their own. Totally. And by the way, it's a lonely, it's a lonely walk. Yep. You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to, if you want to go far, go with, go with the group, with mm-hmm. the tribe. hundred percent. And, um, so as you've been going through this process, as, as you're falling in love with it, learning to love the work, tell me some of the stories about people you've worked with that you've helped mm-hmm. who have broken through barriers, who've, yep. who've, you know, who maybe already thought they had it. I mean, you, you've mm-hmm. got a great couple here with you. John in Bali, Kersi, yeah. yeah, that you've helped. Um, and 
they're very successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a he's one, with one of the big three accounting firms. Yeah, he was with Ernst and Young. Yeah, yeah. before we got him out of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, retired, he's out of that now. Yeah, he's out of that. We moved into another role, so okay. a business building role. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was doing audit at Ernst and Young, um, and he. It's interesting. So I met him, met him in, uh, through a church in Melbourne, and uh, we started doing running together, built a relationship over six months, which which, which paid off big time. And uh, anyway, they moved back to New Zealand. His dad got motor neurons disease. His name's Jono, and uh, and his dad passed away. Like he went back to honoured his father, watched his dad die, wow. okay. and uh, and then what happened was they started building a business in New Zealand where there was really no business in New Zealand you know the market yeah, what, yeah. what that was like there in the city that he's in in particular there was no real like nothing happening he's in Wellington so, right Wellington yeah, there yeah. Was, it was just other Auckland great business Christchurch all that and they built a business from the ground up there with no support except for me on the phone and wow. Karina on the phone and so man we my mum said she, and she specifically said this to me uh, years ago and I've told him this and it fires him up said it takes balls to build a business like that at a distance can you can you translate balls into um, American? Um, testicles, <laughs> testicles. Just checking sack. We call it. You yeah. got to sack up. Sack and up. so it takes balls to build a business like that at a distance with only phone calls on your own. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But they sacked up. They sacked up and started building it. And uh, and now they've got a great business happening in NZ. And they'll uh, they'll they'll build a they'll build a dynasty over there. I reckon long term because they're committed. Because the distance thing figured out whether the commitment thing. And and what's the like what's what's been the secret for you know working with a team like that working you guys have a process that you're going through now yep, right yep. You've, you've kind of formalized how you do this work yep. you're not just trying to sign up or sponsor anybody you, you can right. find right I mean yep. you're you're kind of saying look if if I really believe this is a great business and I really believe that the people I work with you know who've who've pressed through and broken through barriers are mm-hmm. are top talent yep. I would actually treat them that way. That's right. Right? That's right. Can you tell me a little bit about, yeah, about yeah. some of that? I mean, I've, I've fallen in love with what you guys are doing. I think yep. uh, it's a lot of the things that w- we did in a way when I was when I was building the business with Greg Duncan you yep. know, a long time ago and Scott Kuhn. Um, but I, you've taken it to a new level, and it's really impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, well, we, we to, to, be, to give them credit, I mean, we, we learned it from some guys in the States who had really ripped it apart, you know, some people on the East Coast, West Coast, up in Canada. And, uh, and so we just learned the idea of vetting and selection, finding the right people to work with, taking a HR process, which every company's got, whether it's an Ernst & Young or whether it's an excess. You want to hire someone new, you know, just hire them. Right. You know, sit down, hire them. It's like, that's like sitting down with someone going, you want to go home with me? It just doesn't work like that. It never worked for me anyway. It was like one in a million. <laughs> I only got it's, to usually, nine... it's usually the one, not the one you want. <laughs> well, I only got to 900 and I stopped, right? <laughs> so, anyway, you, I suppose the, the idea of every business has a HR process. And so what we just decided to do a couple of years ago was start interviewing and selecting the right people. I like how Steve Jobs puts it. He says, what we did is we found A players who were stuck in a B game Mm. And that's all I found. I found these guys in big corporate who work their ass off, but a company can let them go next week. Right. And so we find A players stuck in B games, and we bring them into an A game. What we what we believe is an A game. There's plenty of them out there. Well, certainly it's, it's it gives them a different game. It does right? It's it's not even playing the same game anymore. You're saying, look, yeah, you're great at ping pong. You want to play some tennis? Yep. Right. Hundred percent. And um, I don't know if that's a great idea, but yeah. But and so. Um, so you've got a way that financial ping pong, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so basically, you're helping. You're you're saying to somebody, look, if you will demonstrate mm-hmm. that you're willing to do what we do to be successful, I will help coach and mentor you. Yep. But if you're not going to demonstrate that, there's no reason for me to waste my time or you yep. to waste yours. Yep, and we make it hard for them. We take a couple of months. We get to know them. We build a trust. We see we see if there's a friendship that can be established. But our approach to like uh, interviewing and selection, whatever you want to call it, is 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 
positive energy. What, what's, what's the whole excess brand? Positive energy, positive right? Energy. So I sit down with someone. It's like if I, if I like you less and less when we sit down, there's a good chance we shouldn't partner. If you, if you like me less and less, it's, it's, it goes both ways. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it goes the other way if we like each other more and more and there's right. chemistry and there's synergy which is the human condition isn't it we like people who like us and we connect with and so we just take it out over six to eight weeks where we go hey we want to prepare you for business ownership because most people are hasted to they're drafted into something hastily and they don't understand they sign up for something they don't have their head around they've got that optimism yep right? got the uninformed optimism but the problem is they stay uninformed so, so you're trying to get them through that uninformed optimism phase yep into the where they understand that they're pessimistic enough to understand the work yep. yep, and then see if they still want to do the work. Exactly. We're trying to, we're trying to make Save sure. Save everybody some time and effort. Totally. Totally. We're trying to find out at the front end whether they're a good fit so we don't have people fall out the back end. No, and I think that's that's smart because a lot of, you know, particularly in our industry, there's been people who have over-promised and, and under-delivered. Totally. And happiness is all about expectations. Yep. If I can set the bar low enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. and... and or, and I shouldn't even say set the bar low. Realistically. But set the bar realistically so you understand what we're getting into and not just mm-hmm. try and sell you into something. Yep. Then we actually have a chance at having a relationship. Totally. You know, my, my younger brother, Joel, is a really wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. And when he, he was getting married, um, this was years ago now, but probably more than 10 years ago, um, you know, he was like doing the dishes for his wife and, you know, <laughs> he was just, you know, and when it, when the, he got married down in Mexico at this great little place where we like to surf and uh, I was doing a toast and I said you know happiness is about setting expectations Joel and you've already set the bar way too high <laughs> way too high you're screwed for the rest of your life that's right <laughs> you know? that's right <laughs> I never do the dishes yeah. <laughs> Sarah's really happy with it yeah. <laughs> no. we got a button now don't we? <laughs> <laughs> right. this week I do yeah, yeah. no no, I'm, I'm joking I, I do help out but but I think that <laughs> but Sarah might disagree but the, <laughs> yeah. your phone's ringing <laughs> occasionally occasionally parents yeah Sarah's ringing yeah yeah no but but I think um, you know I think you're doing a great job of setting very realistic expectations mm-hmm. and identifying people who have the capacity to do what we need to do. Yep. Um, so that you're not. I mean, everyone's going to have to do some personal interior work. Mm-hmm. But when you identify people that have the interest and capacity to do the interior work, mm-hmm. who who you identify are capable of doing the work we have to do, and they they have a willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. That combination makes it. It's not impossible, but it makes it pretty hard to fail because now you've identified somebody that wants to, to join the team, do the work, and is yep. understands what it's all about. Totally. And then we tell people, what's, I've, I've even been, people have said to me before, geez, you really you really laid on strong at the start with people. I'm like, well, man, it's going to be freaking hard work. Yeah. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be a grind. But something we something we we build within our culture is people say it's hard. You know, you hear people say it's hard. Yeah. And we, I constantly remind people and remind myself more than anyone, it's not hard. I mean, living in freaking Somalia is hard. Yeah. Living in a third world country somewhere, right. you know, running water is hard. Getting to sit with people, build your character, coach and mentor them is a freaking privilege. Right. And, but I remind myself of that all the time because we, we have the saying, first world problems. And we go, it's hard, it's hard. It's like, dude, you're getting to build a business. Right. It, it, this is not a business that costs a lot to fund. Right. You're not, you can't run out of money in this. No, and, and I, I like to point out that it's, it's, it's the funny thing about what we do is it feels a lot like almost like self-employment when you're getting started because mm-hmm. um, it doesn't take a lot of money. You can get started you know, without a, without a big investment. You don't have mm-hmm. to write a business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not your classic entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but if you build it and, and scale it, it yep. becomes that yep. without having all the trappings of 
typical entrepreneurship or basically the failure points of typical entrepreneurship. That's right. I mean, I've written business plans. I've raised a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we're at a point where we're funding people's plans. Typically after they've made a few million dollars. I don't like to do the early stage stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, sure. the, uh, but because the pioneering is hard work. The pioneering has a high failure rate. The pioneering is very hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, where if somebody's got a track record and they need to get to a new level, that's a great place to be. You know, a lot better re- return on investment. And I think what you've kind of identified is, you know, there's there are people who, who love to do venture work. Mm-hmm. Whether it's with human beings or whether it's with businesses or a combination of mm-hmm. those things, right? That's right. And there are people who, where will you find most of private equity or most of you know this lot of success is helping things that already have a track record mm-hmm. that want to go to a new level, that's because that's a pretty high rate of return. Yep. That's a pretty high. You know, you there's a one of the big investment groups we work with is uh, TSG, and that's I think they're the largest uh, private equity consumer goods fund on, in the world. They're about two and a half billion dollars. Wow. Um, their minimum to even get into their fund is 150 million. Whoa. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't have, we have a way around that fortunately. But the, sure. but I think the, um, the interesting thing about them is the reason that they're so big and the reason that it's so hard to get into invest with them is because the, the fund that I'm in invest with them. I don't invest with them personally, but yep. the, but the reason that that fund is able to, to have such a high threshold is because they've been doing this for 30 years. They generate, you know, 20 odd percent return year on year, um, which is really high. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't invest mm-hmm. in venture, right? They're investing in known quantities that have a hot track record that are doing this fast growth and want to take their business to a new level. Mm-hmm. And I think what I hear, when I hear you talk about the quality of people that you're working with now, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're sort of doing a similar thing where you're saying, here's somebody that has a track record. Here's somebody that's already had some success in their life, mm-hmm. but they're realizing they're missing it. Yep. And they need to move into a new quadrant. And a lot, probably a lot of times just showing somebody that quadrant analysis yep. helps them identify what they're they can't articulate big time. Right. That's right, and the values of each quadrant. Yeah, and they understand the value. Then they understand the values of how they've been raised by someone who has the mindset of an e quadrant parent who's pushing them to be an e quadrant so an, an employee. Yep, yep. yeah, e- employee, and the parents are pushing them to be employee, and they understand the values behind that, which is security, certainty, all the all the uh, Hen- you know the Henry Ford um, what's the line called the the thing the assembly line right. type of idea that that the Icarus we we talk and, about and. and- you know, and then and being an employee is a great thing for for Absolutely. for a lot of people if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not what everybody wants, that's and right. sometimes people feel really unsettled. I've always felt really unsettled mm-hmm. in a typical like I will break things to fix them in a typical job. <laughs> I am not a good manager. <laughs> I, yeah. I do not fill out. I mean, if probably part of it's my ADD and whatever else. I don't fill out paperwork well. Mm-hmm. If I have to sit there and just fill out forms, I'll break something to fix it because I. <laughs> I need to build something. That's what I do. Yep. Right. And I've realized that about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've had big, you know, big jobs at companies, but usually I'm very specific when I'm coming in saying, I will help you build something. I will help you recreate something. I will help you, you know, fix something, turn it around. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to manage stuff. Yep. There's plenty of people on earth that do that really well. I'm not one of them. And the last thing you want me doing is trying to help you manage somebody. That's right. Self-awareness is so key, isn't it? Yeah. So key. Far out. Well, once you get comfortable with it, it makes it a lot more fun, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you can target, you can focus, yep. and it makes you more effective. You're not wasting your time trying to do things 
That's you're right. probably never going to be successful at. And I get people trying to do that with me with my business. They're trying to get me to do the, the smaller things and whatever. I'm much more macro, very flexible, right. so I can adapt very quickly as well. It's mm. more my leadership style, um, where some guys get caught up in, in the detail. And you've got to have the detail people. Yeah. You've got to have the spreadsheet people. Yeah, look, everybody has a role to play. There isn't mm-hmm. a right role or a wrong role. That's right. There are great managers, mm-hmm. and there are great finance people, and there are great human resource people. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably not going to be that person. I'm not going to be any of those. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk. I'm good at that. <laughs> but I think I think you know so part of it that part of the reason we've resonated and I think worked together well is we both have out, you know we have that we love to build mm-hmm. right. Percent. Um, and and when you're building and growing or if you're fixing something that's broken and needs to be fixed and, and rebuilt, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. Yes. But I even get bored just sitting around. I mean, I don't like to just stay home and do nothing. Yep. Um, and I don't think I've ever sat home and done nothing. But even when we sit at the beach, you know. Uh, my wife likes to sit and read and, you know, lay out and do whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you, you know, I talked about it. I love three sport days. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. give me, I'll be body surfing, surfing, playing tennis, but I, I just can't sit still. Same as mine. You, we, we married the same type of wife. Yeah. yeah well, that's weird. But we married the same type of lady because my <laughs> yeah. one just loves to sit at the beach, chill, relax. We've got a beautiful 14-month-old. She just wants to relax, kick back. And I'm like, I'm going to the gym. I'm doing this. I'm da, da, da. I just don't, can't sit still. And she just, you don't relax well. I'm like, no, I don't relax well. <laughs> I don't, but I'm relaxed yeah. when I'm in the doing. Right. I'm relaxed, but I'm also very comfortable with myself too. But I like to be striving and building. Well, you had ten growing. years with yourself, just you your, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the friend zone. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was waiting for that one. There, there you go. Midnight. <laughs> He's tipped into it. So the um, let me ask you another question. So the you know you, you talk about relaxing. Do you meditate or do you do anything like that to kind of calm your mind or to mm-hmm. to, set, to recenter? I do. <laughs> this well, well you said that you read, so that's yeah. that's. Part of recentering, right? Yep, that's always your mind with good ideas. This, this is always I've always been accused here when I say this next statement of being labeled intense. But um, my something that recenters me and relaxes me is high intensity high intensity interval training. Okay, I find that is that is for uh, uh, what we call a type A personality temperament. Doing a high intensity exercise takes it ta- what it takes what I would call the edge off me. Takes off, right. the, it takes the stress off. It's it's a release. I feel more centered. I feel more glued in. Um, but the other bit is that uh, so AA. I find going to AA, although I should do it more, is uh, centering. It's like going. Some people get that from church. No, it's. So, it, yep. I was going to say it's a lot like a good church. It is. Yep. Where it it moves you beyond yourself. Yep. Very spiritual experience. Right. Sitting, listening to other people, learning from other people, them sharing about what they've been through. Very, very centering experience. I often fall asleep in AA meetings. Right. Yep. I just sit. It's like listening to like Adele, if you like Adele. <laughs> it's like you just sit, you relax, you listen. Um, so they're probably the two biggest things I do for relaxation, for sure. Uh, other people meditate. I've, I've, I can meditate. I just need to do it more often. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's putting the time in and figuring it, it out. Now, I, the reason I ask is like for... And I think we have similar, and we've known each other long enough, but it's that idea that there's times where I get so wound up that I have to remember that the emotional things that are happening mm-hmm. and my my person are different. Yes. They're separate, right? That's right. It's, it's that separation. You can get that, like you said, sitting in AA. Mm-hmm. Part of what it does is it starts to help people separate themselves mm-hmm. from the addiction. That's right. right. So that they're not their addiction. Mm-hmm. That addiction is out there. I'm here. Yep. And I don't have to bring that back into my life. I can leave it out there. Yep. Is that, is that right? Is 100%. That, okay. And what it does, it disconnects you when you sit in those meetings. 
what we would call from self-will, from self-centeredness, where you're in your head and you're running your life, it's to disconnect and just be still. That's the whole idea. Um, yeah, it's very, very meditative. Meditative. Yeah, very. How do you spell that? Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> meditative. <laughs> very meditative. <laughs> that thing. That thing. You should say it fast enough. Yeah. Um, no, so, so that leads me to a, kind of one of the final... Before you get yeah, yeah, the next yeah. thought, Eckhart Tolle calls it, what you, just, what, yeah. what, you, what you just said, it's called watching the thinker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. calls it stepping out from yourself and watching your thoughts. And when you can actually stop and do that, which I can actually do... Right, that's meditation. Yeah, yeah. and so it's stopping watching the thinker whereas you know when you start to run on self-will and you're running sort of a ride in your head and then you start to get anxiety and that sort of stuff um, through having an awesome wife who pulls me up on it she's freaking just right. it, but she she's tell you what there's so much so much value in having someone who calls you on your bullshit yeah. and my wife is just man she just calls me out she just goes bang you're, that's your ego bang because she's somebody who's very very uh, tuned in and so she just she'll always just say to me you just, you just need to chill out you're getting too intense you're getting wound up you shouldn't have done this da, da, da. and I have total faith that she knows what she's talking and about and you know she's doing it in love yep and I think that's you know we talk about negative talk and positive talk but I think part of what you're demonstrating there is is again going back to Jim Collins it's that Stockdale paradox you know mm-hmm. Admiral Jim Stockdale he's in the Vietnam uh, the, the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War mm-hmm. they're getting tortured he's the highest ranking officer yeah And Jim Collins said, um, who survived? Who made it through the Hanoi Hilton out of these years that guys were being held captive? Mm -hmm. A lot of prisoners died. That's where John McCain was, yeah? Yeah, John McCain was in there. He was there, Um, So Admiral Jim Stockdale said, he said the optimist died first. And and Jim Collins was totally blown away. He goes, what do you mean the optimist? He goes, the guys who were like, we're going to get out by Christmas, we're going to get out by Easter, and then we didn't, and then they lost their will to live. He said, the first thing I I figured out was you have to, you have to, you have to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. You have to face the facts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you say your, your wife is calling you on your bullshit. That's yep. facing the facts. Hey, this is what's really happening. Yep. You think this is happening, but this is happening. Mm-hmm. Right? And then he said you have to believe in the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And so when it's your wife and she's calling you out because she's doing it in love, mm-hmm. you know the end of the story is we're going to have this great life together if we just clean some of this shit up right that's now. That's right. Yep. And, and I think that, that um, the Stockdale paradox is so important when you're talking about positive energy, positive attitude. That doesn't mean you don't talk about things that are bad. Exactly. exactly it means that because right. that's really dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. It's about identifying the things so you can find solutions and become better people. Together, that's right. Right. You believe in that end of the story that we're going to be. And what Jim Stockdale said is he said, what I realized was at the end of all this. Working through it is going to transform me and turn me into this much bigger, better person than I could have ever been without it. That's right. Even though it was awful and brutal and and not a great experience while he was going through it, awful experience while he was going through it, it transformed him into a much, much better human who was capable of much more because of it. Mm -hmm. You never wish that on people. Yep. But we all have to go through our shit. We do. And if we're not honest about it, it doesn't transform us. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, you're very lucky to have a wife who's uh, very fortunate to have a wife who's who's very. who's who's brutally honest with you. Mm-hmm. Probably probably more than you want sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100 percent makes me uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> but 
it's uncomfortable and later it's comfortable. Yeah, it makes you yeah. better. Yeah. It does. It makes me better, which is not easy. And that also requires a level of humility, uh, which is which is hard at times because you yeah. want to defend and you want to, bl- no, 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 blame and justify and all that sort of stuff. But we call it no BCD, blaming, complaining, uh, blaming, BCD, blaming, complaining. And uh, I can't remember the last one. Obviously, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, so, you, so you don't get the, you, you can't use excuses, mm-hmm. right? Defending. That's right. the last one. Defending. Defending. You, you have to own it. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I I, uh, I love it when I'm in, I don't care where I am, but I love uh, talking to customer service when they want to explain to me why something isn't working. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my, my kind of, you want me to run your company or are you guys capable is because I don't really need to know why. Mm-hmm. I just need this solved. And if I have to come solve it, then I don't understand what your role is here right that's now. That's right. Right? That's right. I said it to people I work, I work with too sometimes. But, How does um, that go, Dad? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. People yeah. love it. Good for reputation. Um, <laughs> well, no, but I think, you know, look, one of the things I learned in consulting years ago was um, nobody gets paid to state the problem. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets paid for excuses. You get paid for solutions. That's right. And so I don't mind criticism as long as it's tied to where we're going together. That's right. Criticism on its own is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Stating the problem is a waste of time unless you're stating the problem to help us get someplace together. Yeah, and that's interesting you say that because I remember working with you and uh, and I learned a lot working from you. (laughs) No, but I really did. But I haven't told you that enough and I should tell you that more. But working with you, definitely not Scott. No, just messing with you, Scott, if you're listening. (laughs) But definitely, I did learn a lot from Scott, how to dress and all that stuff, right? But but I learned a lot lot from you in... Dom's wearing a tutu right now. (laughs) That's right, and a (laughs) G-banger. And so I learned a lot working from you because I used to watch how very, very uh, frustrating situations that happen that are outside of your control. It's people-driven, right? Right. And in that, it would be more um, the way that you would handle it, the way that you would uh, you would have grace before, like you grace. No cutlery with the steaks. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but watching how you would handle that stuff uh, with grace, but with you know being very assertive, that taught me a lot about how to deal with people as well. So I appreciate you for that. No, thank you. The uh, one of the things that I said to this friend who I was doing this messaging with on Facebook today is uh, when we were talking about, you know, should he be worried about me? Is I said this, this pastor at the church we went to in, in Laguna for a while, um, I, I'm just going to talk about myself. So sorry about that. It's but, a good topic. Yeah. But the, 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 uh, my wife and I can be very generous. We tend to give a lot. You do. Yeah. Um, my accountant says I give too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that to brag. It's just it's a natural. It's I'm, I'm I have this optimism about humanity. I li- like to live generously, and mm-hmm. so I like to give. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my wife even looks at me like, "Why are you giving?" You know, I'm like, "Because it it's not mine. It comes back. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We can create more. That's right. There's always more." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's so true. And, and anyway, so, but I also don't let myself be taken advantage of. I'm very happy to give. I will not let people take things. Yeah. And I think there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I must have reacted or straightened somebody out when somebody got a little handsy. Mm-hmm. And um, this person complained to the pastor. And, uh, and he, said, he said, well, Vanderveen, he goes, it's like Oslin. He is no tame lion. and i I only repeat that because it's one of the best compliments i've ever had jeff tacklin gave it to me but um and i can't remember the exact circumstances but you know i corrected somebody probably was a little bit aggressive but tried to do it with grace and and love and um 
and I, I appreciate your compliment because I think that's important for people to realize mm-hmm. that it's it's okay to be generous and it's also okay to, to have boundaries. It's okay to correct people. It's okay to say, no, this is who I am. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to give this to you. You're not welcome to take it. Those yeah. are two different things. Totally. Um, and but so, your reputation, yeah. if I if I were to, uh, I'll talk about you for a second, and not just because we're on a podcast about you, but your there was an article written about you uh, years ago, and it was called the Do Gooder. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. The Do-Gooder. It was, a, it, was a, it was a Laguna publication. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember centerfolding it on my wall. And, uh, <laughs> lonely nights. It's some material, man. <laughs> Those lonely nights. <laughs> this is Palmer. Anyway, it's the Do-Gooder. No, the Did-Gooder. No, now I'm moving further away from the microphone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and so, but I remember the Do-Gooder and I thought, man, whoever wrote that was a freaking genius because that is exactly what you've done. But you talk about being generous and I think you're one of the most generous people I've ever met but I think you have what you have because of that you do the sowing the reaping but you're not a people pleaser there's a difference you don't just give to people please and overcompensate I don't need to buy my friends exactly yeah, yeah I've you, got you plenty don't. of friends I don't need more of them that's right that's right <laughs> so if you listen and don't contact him no just kidding but you, you but you have what you have which is a very rich life my my mum my has always said to me I've never seen somebody get as much out of a day as David Vanderveen gets. Like the amount that you pack into a day in terms of experience every day, like if you died tomorrow, which would be terrible, but if you died tomorrow, particularly in Bali, but if you if you died tomorrow, you, you could tell these people right now that you have lived a very, very full life. I, I actually think about that. You know, some of my... Um I mean, it's just we were just watching Alexander Hamilton, or the Hamilton musical. I read his biography, which did a podcast earlier this morning about it. And... Um, the, I stacked up three podcasts today, so did yeah, did some, actually did some things today. Mm-hmm. But the uh, one that he died at, I think forty nine. Mm-hmm. Depends on when you thought think he was born. Just a little speculation on that. But you know, one of the impressive things about him, in addition to escaping being an orphan in the West Indies, you know, fighting the Revolutionary War, becoming a founding father, architecting our banking systems, manufacturing all all the things that make New York New York and America America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the federalist system that we have, he wrote 22,000 pages in those 49 years. Wow. At least we, we have 22,000 pages. There may have been more. Um, but when he, he died in a duel with Aaron Burr, but I think the thing that was profound to me is it's like, you know, he could have done a lot more, mm-hmm. but maybe he did enough. Yeah. And I never want to, I lost my brother at a fairly, you know, when we were in our 20s and uh, I lost a really, one of my best friend who was like a brother when we were in our 30s. And uh, I guess one of the things that I've learned at probably an earlier age than a lot of people was that, uh, you know, don't take every day for granted. It, you don't know how many you have. Mm-hmm. So live the one you have. The past, the past is gone. The future mm-hmm. isn't real. Mm-hmm. Right now is the only time we have. And, uh, and so that's, that's why I think, you know, when I'm looking at my week, my year, my life, it comes down to prioritizing what I'm actually going to get out of each each day, what matters, mm-hmm. um, and typically that comes down to relationships and the people I work with, and and because uh, that's your values, right? That's your highest value, isn't it? Helping people realize themselves. I've been very fortunate, and my wife and I and my kids, you know, we've we've realized a lot of amazing things, and I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to live generously, and that allows me to believe that I can help other people do that, and meeting other people that I work with who have broken through. I've seen you break through the barriers. I've mm-hmm. seen you go through the, the down years, the alcoholism, mm-hmm. starting over, being frustrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went through a 
period where you showed hundreds of plans. You you it, you mm-hmm. tried to sign people up hundreds of times mm-hmm. and had very moderate success. Hundreds with that. and hundreds and hundreds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm understating. Yeah, it. it was yeah, over yeah. 700. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And had very moderate success with it mm-hmm. until you figured out how to fix yourself mm-hmm. and how That's to right. fix the process so that you could actually find the right people to work with. Hundred percent. That would give you you and your business and your team the results you were looking for. That's right. And yeah. if you hadn't have done that, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. do you, would, knowing what you know today, are you, are you upset that you went through that process? No way. No. I'd do it all again. I was thinking about that the other week. I'd do it all again. That amount of intensity of work in a three-and-a-half-year period, and it was a big, big workload, and then the ship not moving, right. right? And then adjusting some things, and then the ship just starting to move, starting to move, and now it's hyperspeed to a certain degree. Um, well, it's, it's sustainable. Sustainable, s- incremental. But, but yep. incremental sustainable growth, which yep. is a great business to have. It is. Every month, every month growing. If not maintaining, growing for the last two and a half years. That's fantastic. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I wouldn't do If I go back, I'd do that all again because it built my character. Right. Had to build my character. Had to build my grit. Had to build my mind, build my mindset and, if I, and my leadership skills. If I can't lead myself, how the freaking hell am I going to lead somebody else? Right. And so I got to go through this self-mastery to then a buddy of mine, a guy called Brad Wargamont from up in uh, Seattle. It's okay yeah. to say that. He says... Uh, um, it's okay to say that. Yeah, yeah, Brad. yeah, yeah. Brad's a great guy. To talk about him, but I mean to throw people's names out there, he, uh, he says we teach what we know but we impart who we are and now it's just impartation I just impart who I am work with people work with the right people and I'm just me you're just you Um, but now that's because I know who I am now right yeah and so now I can attract people who are like me that I like that we have synergy with Uh, they don't have to love me but we can find synergy to work together. Sure. Uh, and that's, but I would not go back and change any of that. And I actually see people now who aren't grinding hard, that have it easier than we had it. And I, man, I just want to make it harder for them. Right. Just to build their character, build their mental calluses so that they can withstand the, the grind later. Well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if, if you've played sports in like, you know, in high school or college where you've had to work really hard on a team, mm-hmm. like a varsity or a, you know, a, top tier team you get used to the hard work and you realize that hard work physically connects to better performance later it makes yep. you a better person and I think as we age I mean part of the reason that I still love doing workouts with you mm-hmm. even though I can't always do everything you're doing because mm-hmm. I'm getting older my joints aren't always capable yep. but the um some things I do better. Yeah, but you do good. do a lot of things, no, Madam. What are you joking, talking about? I'm joking, but they, no, you were lifting some pretty heavy weights. That I just I don't do heavy weights. I I don't run marathons anymore. There's some of that stuff I I've had to adjust on. I do more cycling, whatever. Um, I guess the point is, uh, as what was the point? What were we just talking about? Talking about how fit I was and how heavy I lift and how <laughs> I looked at the gym, your age and adjusting and yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the, the the point is is when you've when you've been doing when you've performed at a high level and you realize the intensity of the workout mm-hmm. incre- improves your performance when you have to put it on the line, mm-hmm. you start to fall in love with the pain of the workout because you know what it gets you down. Totally right. And so looking back, mm-hmm. it's exciting to, to mm-hmm. remember that pain. Yep. At the moment, totally it totally is. sucked. Yep. And totally it's working right. through the suck, right? Getting through that point mm-hmm. where you start to see the benefit where all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can do more of this. This is going to... But it's the... Helping people believe that that level of effort is going to get them what they really want, I think, is the hard Spot part, on. especially when they haven't had it before. Spot on. I'll tell you a quick story. You're going to like this. Yeah. So I, I started training with a mate of mine at my gym. Great, uh, man, great, great guy. He's a CrossFit trainer, and he trains guys like Navy SEALs, SAS, and that type of stuff. And so the other day, 
I, uh, I, in a moment post-workout, I was jacked up on endorphins. And I said to him, I said, I want you to, I want you to take me through some mental and emotional resilience training, like physical and, and, and uh, mental training. Yeah. And he goes, cool, deal. You know, it's going to cost you this much. We're going to do this. I go, yep, 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 yep. And then I get in the car and I'm like, holy shit. What did I just, what did sign, I just up sign up for? <laughs> in a moment of excitement, <laughs> no, right? It's it. like when yeah. you make a decision right when you're not tired and then in the morning you're tired and you've got to follow through. And so anyway, what happens is I start training with this guy and I go in and I had a terrible night's sleep, four hours sleep before the first session. Baby's up, the whole thing. And I go into him and I say, hey, um, could we just do strength today? Do you reckon we could just skip the cardio part? And he just stands there and goes... <laughs> and he just laughs at me he goes no you're a dickhead is, and, I, and, I, and I laughed and I was like you know the laugh like <laughs> I know what this is leading to and anyway what he does he gets a whiteboard up and on this whiteboard he puts up the rules and he says no coaching yourself no pain face no moaning no resting unless prescribed shut the F up listen no lying on your back they're the rules you, every time you break the rules you owe me five burpees at the end accumulated post workout and then what he does I'm going to come to a good how does he count them he just stands there and if he goes pain face and he just starts telling up 5, 10, 15. Yeah, he just oh stands there and pushes me. And I'm going to come back to a good point with all this. He puts the rules up and he pulls out an assault bike, pulls out a 100 kilo deadlift and a box that I've got to do burpees over. And he puts me through every four minutes for three rounds, these three different movements. And he's standing there and pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And, I, and I'm giving it hell for the first round. I only accumulated five burpees, meaning one pain face. But I mean pain face, like I, I like blinked sort of stuff. He's, he's a freak. Anyway, at the end of it, I get through the first round. I'm like, oh, I'm hurt and I get a minute rest. I go back onto the second one. I get it. I accumulate 10 burpees in that one because I'm starting to really hurt. Third round, I get through only five burpees. And, uh, and I get to the end of it and, I'm, and I've given everything that I've got. And now you have to do 40 burpees. No, no, I'm at the, yeah, yeah. No, no, only 30 or something like that okay. point. Yeah, nothing crazy. And at the end of it, I, I've given everything I've got. And, uh, and I literally, I'm standing there on the side of this box, not laying on my back. I was thinking about laying on my front. Anyway, the next <laughs> thing you know, I look up at him and he goes, uh, he goes, in the Navy SEALs, I call it a false finish line. It's where you think you finish, you haven't finished. He'd get up, you got one more round. I'm like, I can't, man, I can't freaking do it. I accumulated 50 burpees, 50 burpees <laughs> in the next three minutes, in the next three minutes through swearing, laying on my back, everything, and just resist. And I, anyway, I got through the round and then at the end, I had to finish the burpees. I finished the burpees and you know what happened? I felt like I was going to die. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to come back from this. I don't know if I'm ever going to survive. I mean, you know when you're in the pain zone, yeah, post-cardio. Yeah. Post and uh, the next thing you know, I walk out to my car about 40 minutes later after I've been picked up like a pancake, and I walk out, my self-respect's higher, my self-confidence is higher, the way I see myself because I pushed through a barrier and I had a mentor and accountability to help me do it. But if I had to listen to myself and I didn't have that, what would I have done? I wouldn't even freaking worked out that day. Right. And so that's the beauty of going through the grind. I look back now and I go, that was awesome. But at the time, I didn't feel like it. That's why we need mentors. That's why we need mentors, Coaches. why we need accountability. And then you've been a mentor for me for, what, 10 years now yeah. in different variations and forms. Definitely not in the gym. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the first time. The first time you kicked my ass. That's right. Yeah, I never <laughs> and then, forgot. And you came back and you kicked mine and yeah, started yeah, CrossFit. Yeah. That's it. So um, that kind of leads me to where I like to kind of wrap this up, which is you've been in AA. One of the first questions in AA is, you know, or is belief in a higher power, right? Or mm -hmm. where's belief in a higher power? Is that at the beginning or is that? Yeah. I mean, that's something you can come to believe over time. Yeah. The first bit, you're powerless over alcohol. Your life's unmanageable. So you've got to admit that, that you're powerless, right. which is extremely hard for people to do, especially control freaks. Right. And so you're letting go which really is belief in a higher power through action. Something bigger than you. Something bigger than me. Because my best thinking got me into a program of recovery. <laughs> yeah, your best thinking was, one of my friends, uh, Steve Castle, who's been involved with 
AA for a long time. Um, he's a big leader in Laguna. I think you guys have met him. Your, mm-hmm. your dad certainly has dad before. Up, yep. um, he says, you know, when, when people are getting started in an AA program, he says one of the things that we help them with is whatever, whatever your brain's telling you to do, do the opposite That's because right. your brain's been t- telling you to do bad things for a long time, right? Yep. Um, well, your, your best thinking got you into a program that has no referrals from it. <laughs> right. Think about it. You get to AA, you're at the ass. Yeah. You're at the bottom. It's like there's no like, oh, you're not working well here? Go there. This yeah, is it. This is it. <laughs> this yeah. is it, man. You need to make this work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, or you need to basically let go so it can work, right? That's right. So or, I'm, I'm really don't know that much about AA, but I know mm. a little bit. So um, when you think about a higher power, mm. one of the questions I like to ask people, and there's no, I'm not pushing an agenda here, but what what is the higher power? Do you have any way you define it or think about it or talk about it? Yep, yep, absolutely. So in, in, in my life context, yep, totally. So yeah, I have 100% have a higher power of faith in God. Um, and, you know, I've developed that over time, my own relationship. Um, but I'm a big believer that higher power to me is I'm not in control of my life. I've lived through God's will, but I'm also not a nutbag about, like I believe in the Christian faith. I believe in the principles. Like I look at a guy like, just an example, just Jesus, right? And I look at his, uh, the way that the dude lived and I went, the way that guy treated people, the way that he acted, the way that he carried himself through the turmoil that he went through, that's the way I want to live my life. Now, do I believe that some people who represent that are weirdos and do dumb shit? Absolutely. And I don't subscribe to that. Right. I don't subscribe to radicalism in any shape or form. Um, but I believe in a Christian faith. Um, but I'm also pretty common sense and like normal about it. Yeah. You know, some people just get a bit, bit strange about that type of stuff. And so, yeah, I 100% have, have faith in a higher power. Um, but, I, but I've had to develop that over time because I was quite anti that early on. Right. I was quite anti. Maybe a conversation with you on the way back from Byron Bay once telling you that what, what I thought, even though I was like 22. And uh, anyway. That's okay. No, it's good. And yeah, you were gr- very gracious about that. I don't know if you remember that combo driving through Cool and Gatta. And anyway, the uh, but now I've developed that over time. My mind was open, but it wasn't open through other people's opinion. It was open through other people's example. And so I saw how they lived, and I thought I'd like to live a life like that. So it wasn't a Facebook argument that brought you. No, no, no. <laughs> Strangely, not. funny that isn't it. It wasn't. It wasn't the reason that I swung my, my voting either in my last election. You mean that the guy that was the 16th comment under my post about <laughs> about what he likes about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Trump or who's up who, whatever. Uh, no, that didn't swing me. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone's mind was ever changed on Facebook. I think it's they were just pissed off. That's unbelievable. Yeah, well, I think there actually are ways to handle controversy on Facebook. Well, you do it. But, you do it well. But you have to. <laughs> but you have to engage the conversation. Mm-hmm. You can't just shout at other people. That's right. Um, and you have to not be driving a hardcore agenda as well, right? You got to be bo- open to the, open to. You know, yeah, I, I love this Chuck Klosterman book. What What if we're all wrong? Mm-hmm. And he starts out saying, you know, look, in 500 years, all of us will be wrong about pretty much everything. <laughs> it's fantastic. And he just looks back 500 years and goes, like, let me tell you what everybody said. The church said, the scientists said, you know, mm-hmm. they were all wrong. That's right. So in 500 years, we're pretty much going to be wrong about everything. If you start at that foundation, mm-hmm. it allows you to be open to mm-hmm. explore Could truth in all of its forms. Yeah. There's a book called Unoffendable. And it talks about uh, it talks about you know people get offended, particularly Christian people get really offended by stuff, and which is a choice, isn't it? And uh, and, yeah. the, and and the opening to this book, because I haven't read the book yet, I read the opening and I gave it to my wife. <laughs> so, stop getting offended by me, just joking. And so I, I opened this book up, and it said the dedication was to all those who want grace for themselves but struggle to extend it to others. Ooh. And that's it's good stuff, right? Because wow. we all want grace when when the, the what do you call it, the fit hits the shan or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when 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 we want it, but the, we're not willing to give it. 
right. not only to give you grace when you when you need it. Right. And so that uh, man, what a great way to open a book. No, that's fantastic. I mean, I think I think some people struggle with giving it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Some people struggle with giving it to somebody else. Yep. Um, I think it's got to be a two way transaction. You struggle giving, don't you? What's that? I I don't struggle. No, well, no. It's, you know what's funny? You know what I do struggle with. Um, I was in Bali about a month ago, two months ago, and uh, I was out with people I didn't know. I was staying at a friend's place. He was like, hey, you should go out with these friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, he's texting me. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know them. I'm not going to, I just wasn't, it, I was trying to have a quiet, mm-hmm. meditative uh, kind of retreat sure. thing in Kulangata. Oh, yeah, 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 which yeah. never happens. <laughs> I'm not Kulangata, in Changu, which is like Kulangata. So anyways, so I'm in Changu and uh, he connects me with these people. And he goes, hey, connect with my friend Dave. And I'm like, uh, he, his friend's name is Dave, too. Mm-hmm. A little confusing. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And then he sends me a text right after. He goes, I already told Dave you're going to call him, so call him. <laughs> 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 so I go out with these guys, and it was one of the, their friend's birthdays. I bought a bunch of drinks. Um, we had a great night. Not quite the quiet night I was thinking I was going to have. Yeah, yeah, sure. Got up the next afternoon. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and, good man. And we were going to go watch the Colin, um, that fight, the big fight. Uh, with um, McGregor. McGregor uh, versus Conor McGregor. Conor, Conor McGregor versus the Russian. Don't even know his name. And um, Khabib. Khabib. Yeah, Khabib. Khabib. Fantastic ending to that, by the way. Yeah, it was like yeah, big yeah. time wrestling. <laughs> it wasn't that great. Yeah, it was wild. Hogan enters the ring. Yeah, <laughs> He's awesome. outside the ring. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, actually yeah. funny. Yeah. And they got arrested. <laughs> you, have a, you have Russians and Irishmen in a stadium, and yep. the guy jumps out of the ring to fight him. Unbelievable yep. uh, fight. But... but um, one of the guys was there, and he said, hey, let me buy you. He's an Aussie guy. He goes, hey, let me buy you lunch. He goes, you bought drinks last night. And I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll buy lunch. Let me buy lunch. He goes, he goes, you don't let people buy you things very well, do you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. I was like, that's probably good. I said, you can buy me lunch. But yeah. it was, it's, sometimes you get in the habit of, yeah. of giving and not receiving, yeah, and yeah. both things are really important. I think the same is with, with grace. It's a gift, yeah. and you need to give, and you need to receive. Yeah, that's true. I've noticed how you, you don't do the receiving. You've gotten better with it, obviously, but the receiving, you're much, much better giving than receiver. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Turn the mic off. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite answer to the question. How much, you know, if you give someone a gift, they're like, well, how much did it cost? I'm like, I don't know how much you got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, such a rude question to ask, isn't it? You ask how much a gift costs. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There's funny. nothing more, we say there's nothing more Australian than someone going, uh, I just got a brand new Audi. Oh, how much you pay for it, mate? <laughs> and my dad's like, none of your freaking business. Or someone goes, I got a new home. They go, how much you pay for it? And it's so like invasive in your space of like, it was six hundred thousand bucks. What? What? Just nosy. There's yeah. nosiness, you know. It's yeah, none of your business, right? Yeah, yeah. Very funny. Well, Dom, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for making time uh, in Bali to talk to me. Uh, I hope uh, Karina and uh, the family, everybody's good and having a great time. Absolutely, we sure are. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. you coming out. Huge pleasure. You're a good man. This is, well, I'm, I'm a man. This is the Kick Aspirational <laughs> Podcast. Uh, this is interactive. I love your questions, your feedback, and uh, whatever you do, wherever you're going, please be kick aspirational. <laughs>